go spread the word. When you get a fresh, hot McCrispy from McDonald's and you can feel the heat coming through the bag, don't try to wait till you get home. Always respect hot chicken. The McCrispy only at McDonald's. Ba da ba ba ba. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello. Welcome back to another episode of The Juice. I'm your host, Solomon Giorgio, comedian, writer, and the possessor of the daintiest wrists in America. Today's guest is a beguiling writer, actor, comedian, and everyone's sassy gay friend. He was a creator and host of True TV's Talk Show The Game Show, host of the Pop Rocket podcast on Maximum Fun Network, has published his own memoir, My Life as a Goddess, a memoir through unpopular culture, and is currently co-starring in the critically acclaimed romantic comedy Bros. Let's give a big, juicy, and very loving welcome to Guy Branham. Hello, Guy. Hello, Solomon. Welcome to The Juice. I'm happy to have you. It's lovely to be at the Juice, and I'm really excited that I'm getting to talk to Solomon in Seattle. The <laughs> this most is, uh, Solomon yeah. Solomon. This is the uh, truest version of myself. This is technically my hometown, even though I've been in Los Angeles for 11 years. And you were actually, I met you on my second day in Los Angeles. Oh, that's very lovely. Last time I was in uh, Seattle, I had dinner with our mutual friend, Lindy West. Yes. And getting to watch her like strut around Capitol Hill uh, (laughs) running into people was really fun. It was very delightful. Yes, I think she still has local celebrity status. Uh, I do not have that uh, on par to what I used to have. So I can walk a lot longer before anyone (laughs) goes, hey. (laughs) You have a national profile. You wore a cape on uh, Two Dope Queens. (laughs) Look, look, it's I'm not complaining. It's it's definitely no complaints. But I'm happy to have you on the show because you have probably the best recall I know of any person. So I know you probably have some amazing gossip from your life. So I'm this I think this is a show built for two homosexuals. (laughs) That's lovely. That's lovely. Um, But also, more importantly, you were truly so fucking funny on Bros, and it was so refreshing. (laughs) Oh, thanks. That's very sweet. It was a really fun movie to do, Yeah, and it's really funny. And now it's streaming on Apple Movies and Amazon. So please watch it. For me, I think it'll be a cult classic. I 100% feel that in my whole heart. I hope so. It has a lot of jokes in it, and I'm I'm very proud of that. And you should be. (laughs) You fucking wrote so many of them. Yeah, it's like it was fun to have a little bit more support behind mm. a gay movie than what yeah. has happened in the past. And, and it's always wonderful to like those gay rom-coms from the 90s. People were truly making them with, you know, money that they borrowed from their friends. Yeah. And uh, those were really good movies. Believe me, I've watched all of them and I wish people would know more about Edge of 17. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've never seen Edge of Seventeen. I, I like I watched like twenty minutes of it, and I think I got to Leah Delaria being um, their uh, their manager at the restaurant mm-hmm. where they worked, and then somehow I crapped out. I don't know exactly why. I feel like in a nineties gay rom com, if I hadn't seen Parker Posey within twenty minutes, I was like, "What are we doing?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. One of the best things about gay comedy is that all of the legends of our field are around, available, and complaining <laughs> about how they're not working enough. 
oh yeah, I, like I feel for the whole cast of not another gay movie. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and also eating out. There's a, I feel I like know. those eating out guys, they just got to be like WeHo famous mm-hmm. and that's enough. Like um, yeah. they got to have all of the sex for seven years after their eating out movie. <laughs> well, I think some of them still are doing the sex. Yes. I mean, good for them. Those films, for those of you who aren't familiar with the eating out movies, they're made by the very funny and talented Q. Allen Bracco, mm-hmm. who I really respect, but it is, he's making these movies on a dime. He's, you know, writing and directing himself. So it's basically like a Hallmark movie with wieners. <laughs> it is. Like, I do, the one benefit of of a lot of the gay rom-coms, it is, like, it's very close to soft core porn in some of them, which is nice. Yeah, I mean, like, hotness is one of the ways that you get gay guys to pay attention to things. <laughs> hotness and Tori Spelling yelling are pretty much, like, the two ways that you get gay attention. Um, there's also, I'm trying to remember, I can't remember the name of it, but it's where... This gay kid goes to sleep and everybody switches sexual orientation. That sounds like conceptier than I'm used to. I'm surprised I never saw that at an outfest. It was on Logo, I feel like, a decade ago. Logo during the like early years of RuPaul's Drag Race truly was just like a jungle. Like it was, yes. and there were so many gems. Like that was where I found um, Cole and Jeffrey from Jeffrey yes. and Cole Casserole. Well, the first and only time there was an all queer black cast in a show was because of Logo's uh, Noah's Ark. Yes. I can't think of any other show that's ever done that since. And that was, that show ended, I think, about a decade ago as well. I'm always like, a lot of people, a lot of people, when people are talking about queer content and the lack of diversity in queer content, um, are yelling at some things and just not yeah. paying attention to other things. Yeah. My, my friend Nigel show runs this show called Saints and Sinners mm-hmm. um, that's on Bounce that is like super queer and super campy and yeah. like a super fun soap. And like, it just doesn't get any attention. And that's rough. Yeah. We'll, we'll at least give it some attention at this brief moment right now. Yes. But you know what? I know that you grew up was it Yuba City? Yes, Yuba City. What kind of farmland is Yuba City? Yuba City is the prune capital of the world. There we tru- go. I'm in trouble this week because I have not posted my promotional videos about the California Prune Board, with whom I now have uh, a sponsored relationship. What is your title? I am the official unofficial ambassador for California <laughs> Prunes. Um, but my family's um, farmland was uh, almonds. So almonds are what I dealt with on a daily basis. And you don't have to do much to them except put a shit ton of water on them. (laughs) Which is why... uh, We're all angry at them now, yes? I think the dairy system did a great job at switching the blame to almonds, which is... (laughs) It's really true. I mean, and also almond milk, however wasteful of water it is, still doesn't take as much water for a gallon as keeping a cow alive for a gallon of milk does. Yes. What is, like, Yuba City, what is... (laughs) that life like I didn't meet anyone who was not a school teacher who had gone to college Uh until I went to college um like uh everyone (laughs) either works agricultural jobs or um uh construction jobs Mm -hmm. because like Sacramento has been growing a lot and California has been growing a lot over the course of the past 40-50 years and so there are a lot of construction workers is a lot of hunting and fishing, a lot of um, which football team do you support, yeah. um, a lot of recreationally driving trucks in mud until they flip over. Wow. Because I grew up in Fresno, which is not too far. Um, yeah. 
But I feel I definitely had like a lot of migrant friends, uh, so like yes. seasonal friends. Uh, so like I would have friends for like six months, and they'd be they'd go. <laughs> oh, and so and also the like the like the ethnic landscape is not mm-hmm. what you would expect from that kind of like farmy redneckiness. Yeah. It's like one third white people who came from Arkansas, one third uh, Punjabis who have been there for like a hundred years, mm-hmm. and then one third uh, Mexican American farm workers who, you know, a lot of them would come and go depending on whether we were harvesting yeah. things or not harvesting things. So I feel like now we're talking about the territory, like what is the gossip situation in Yuba City? Like how, how does information <laughs> of rumors pass in that situation? Like within my community, it is the job of older women when they see each other to just download everything that has happened with every person who might be known in common, however it's possible. Mm -hmm. Like Southern Baptist churches play a very important role in communicating this stuff. Um, Men Mm -hmm. aren't supposed to gossip, but do. In gender mixed spaces, women are gossiping to each other while men just like drink beer or don't do anything. Mm -hmm. But then in male-only spaces, like on a job site, on like a farm, like then you you sort of like lay out the stuff that people aren't supposed to know. Mm -hmm. And of course, as everyone learned from John Steinbeck, everyone in my town came from um, the sort of like South kind yeah. of, there's a, a nice Southern Gothic element of like a nice, big, juicy, that's <laughs> not his mom, it's his sister. Or like, that's not his sister, it's his mom. Like those came up a fair amount of the time uh, as like big, you know, mic drops. Yeah, that's that was that was my family personally. Like we had, that's to my niece who at 10 was, <laughs> was like, your sister is your mother. <laughs> um, my, my uncle Kevin, um, who uh, drank himself to death. Uh, but when he was 21, on his mm-hmm. 21st birthday, he was 14 years younger than my mom. And he like came to her and was like, all right, now's when you tell me. And she was like, uh-uh, buddy, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> he was just hoping the whole time. I mean, he had just like assumed in a very logical way because we had... <laughs> We had so many family in Arkansas yeah. where it was like, oh, he thinks that woman is his mom, yeah. but her sister is his mom or whatever. Uh, and he just sort of assumed that would be true for him too. And it was not true. <laughs> like, sorry, buddy. I'm actually your sister. Yes. <laughs> we're, we're, we're the, uh, what's the exception to the rule? <laughs> yeah. That's, oh gosh, that's always heartbreaking when you find out that you're not the interesting family. <laughs> it's true. It's true. And then you like, One thing that was cool was also sort of like um, the little whispers of knowledge that would sort of like go in between communities Mm -hmm. on like a public school like playground. That was where you learn stuff about like, you know, whose dad was shot as part of um, an Indian gang war or like whose brother was caught watching porn. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Were you a, a gossip by any means as a kid or were you always uh, a secret keeper? Um, I'm very bad at keeping secrets, but so luckily I. when I was very young, I didn't have close friends. Um, and so no one was giving me valuable secrets. I, as the lone Jew, I was the person who disseminated that Santa wasn't real yeah. around seven to <laughs> some key people on the um, on the playground, and that was looked on very poorly. Oh, oh, um, no! Let me tell you my first glorious moment of gossip. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I was in preschool, and Santa came, and um, 
I've had the secret knowledge that Santa wasn't real. Yeah. And it was a co-op preschool where the parents had to sort of like do some work for you to go there. Yeah. And so I went and I got on Santa's lap and Santa had very rough hands that had um, concrete poisoning sores on them. And then I got off of Santa's lap, went back to the little cube that I was sitting on, leaned over to the girl next to me and said, that's not Santa, that's my dad. (laughs) That was sort of my first situation of being very bad at keeping secrets. And I've been bad at keeping secrets ever since. That is, oh my God, yeah. I feel like, because we were never told about Santa Claus because my mom didn't seem to comprehend why somebody else would buy us gifts. (laughs) 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 I'm giving who credit? I don't think so. (laughs) So, I mean, um, Ethiopia is Christian. Is there any sort of like notion of that kind of thing? Well, there's there's a version of Christmas, which is like, it's not the same, but my parents definitely adapted to uh, American Christmas in the most ludicrous way. Like my mom would put up a tree, but she would sort of just fling all the decorations <laughs> into a corner of the tree. And if you give her anything that has Christmas on it, card-wise, it's going on that tree. It doesn't matter <laughs> if it's a coupon <laughs> or if you're sitting here a dental appointment. If it looks like it's a holiday thing, it's going on the tree. I'm in the way that a person should never meet their heroes. I'm so terrified to ever meet your mom. Because Every story you have told me was of an overworked woman who doesn't have time to give a shit, um, but who has strong opinions and will tell them to you. Like, look, she is what every gay person wants to be around. I understand that. I personally wouldn't do that to you. (laughs) Because she will not give you the full show that she would give her children. She'd give you the standoffish version of herself, which is not fun. No. And I don't want to disappoint you and not get you the theater show that you deserve. Yes, I, don't, I, I only want to hear about her through you. And I also yeah. maintain that women only have gay sons to have yes. an arch nemesis equal to their skills. <laughs> oh, no, she's razor sharp me and I'm very happy for it. So, uh, so you like you went to Stanford or? I went to Berkeley. Berkeley. Um, so. And at Berkeley was really my first opportunity to... Um, Betray friends by uh, revealing sensitive gossip to yes. other friends. Um, I was very close friends with a couple who I had met my freshman year in the dorms. And by like our junior year, they were stable and had been together. Both of them wanted to be lawyers. Both were Jews, blah, blah, blah. Like this was a couple. Yeah. And then she had sort of never messed around with anyone else. And she went searching and learning. Yeah. And I was her confidant. And then, but I also talked to him all the time. And so I eventually decided uh, to tell him Mm -hmm. for what reason, I don't know. But uh, it it comes down to neither of them speak to me anymore. Um, (laughs) Oh, they're still together? No, no. Okay. Uh, it, it destroyed that relationship. And I think he ended up never getting married. He's, he's now an attorney at Warner Brothers uh-huh. and he does real well. Like, um, <laughs> when I meet him, he is dating women 20 years younger than him and always oh. says hello, um, but truly does not want to get within uh, six feet of me, which I understand and respect. Look, I'm going to be honest with you. Ruining a happily ever after in your 20s is necessary. Yes. <laughs> and it's important. I've outed uh, cheaters before in my 20s. I probably wouldn't now because it doesn't, I don't really... I'm not too concerned. Yeah. And also just the notion of like obligational monogamy is ridiculous. 
and everyone is allowed to have the setup that they have, and yeah. I may not know your setup. Yeah. Though I do find myself to be a little bit of a prude. I found out that a lovely couple that I know, people that call you hurt, they're swingers. And yeah. I was like, I don't, like, I was surprised by how much I don't want to know that about heterosexuals. Like, gay guys, I'm fine being like, of course they are. Yeah. I don't know. I think I'm, I've, I've now, I've reached a point where I'm much more surprised Supportive. If I end up in a relationship where somebody wants to be open, I will more than happy allow that to be the case. I personally don't want to talk to another person. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so it's going to be a one-sided open relationship because I will keep my door closed forever. <laughs> uh, the thing is, is if I'm with someone, I want them to be happy and I want them yeah. to have a sense that they can go and get and do whatever they want. I also want them to leave me alone. That's also another great option of having somebody. <laughs> yes, absolutely. After college, I went to law school. Yes, Minnesota, right? Yes, and law school is a den of whispers. You know, it is sort of like constant backstabbing, constant awareness of each other's status. And I think that was where I first really learned to deploy gossip, um, to take down people who were oh. attempting to take me down and that sort of thing. I, um, this sounds fun. Law school sounds a lot more fun than I thought it would be. <laughs> yes. And then law school is also where I came out of the closet. And yes. so that started me on the journey. You waited that long. I forgot. That's I a know. lot. <laughs> it was really dumb. Like, I was in fucking San Francisco. You know, I was in Berkeley. And I decided, no, Minnesota is where I have to do it. Yeah. Though, people love to tell you that Minnesota is a good place to be gay. Sure. Um, <laughs> but the other thing was, is it was my first experience of going to gay bars and seeing mm -hmm. the people who were closeted at law school but who were out for out. gay bars and um, trying to be like sassy and knowing at them about that. But it also started the weird process that lasted for many years of people who, because I was, you know, once I came out, I was very loudly gay always. And having people tell me that they were gay and think that I would like secretly gay and that I would be good at keeping their secret is so dumb because I am... I can't stop telling people that I'm gay. You think I'm not going to tell people that you're gay? <laughs> yeah, I've definitely, I don't, I won't do it now, but in my 20s, I've definitely done it a couple of times where I was like, I can't hold the secret of your homosexuality because I literally just freshly came out. Well, I mean, the thing is, is like, I kept the secret. Like, so after law school, I started stand up. And, you know, stand up is also a rich world of gossip, but I feel like it's a very open world of gossip yeah. where you learn everything from just like talking to other people. And so that was very like productive and good gossip. But I, I got my first writing job at this place called G4. And I was the fucking, I was a stop on the underground railroad for fucking closeted lesbians and bisexuals. And I did such a responsible job of not telling people, but it was like, truly stop burdening me with this. This is very hard for me. <laughs> it is It is a very difficult secret to keep. But also I feel like the climate now, like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to tell them. Like, like whenever I find out somebody's like secretly, I'm like, I good luck out there. <laughs> I, I and then I walk away because I can't help anyone in that situation. I'm like, you can't when you when you're ready. <laughs> um, I knew this USC swimmer who like fucked a guy. He had sex with a guy, and then he like was talking to his best friend, processing afterwards. And then a couple of days later, that guy came back to him and was like, how dare you? And this was like 2012, 2013. Yeah. 
And he was just like, I didn't know that we were doing that. Like, there is, there are some people who are invested in the cloak and dagger of homosexuality, yeah. but that really is from the past. Yes. After you reach, reach a certain expert level in homosexuality, you don't want to deal with anyone that's still figuring things out. <laughs> well, it's always funny because I drive up and down the Central Valley. Like, you know, a person stops at a gas station, they open up their grinder, and the number of people who are still, like, discreet or looking to, like, yeah. you know, cheat on their wife with you, always stunning. And, you know, I'm fine with it. You know, that's there's a time and a place for that. People are into that. I personally, I put my face right on my profile. I Yeah. It's also my moneymaker. Why am I going to fucking hide my face? <laughs> Why would I ever not show my face first? It's truly, I can't, I can't imagine a world where that's not important to me. <laughs> I mean, I'm so scared that we're going to lose you to drag. <laughs> I'm 40 years old, guy. There's no way I'm going to be able to walk in heels for more than 15 minutes without falling apart. Uh, it's always, it's so terrible. Like, I worked with Jackie Beat at um, Fashion Police years ago, mm -hmm. and it was just like, Jackie Beat needed new hips because <laughs> yeah. it was too many years of doing that stuff. Yeah. Um, it seems terrible. I like I I definitely like I learned how to do beat my face. I learned how to style some hair. I can I can put on an outfit and exist for a little bit. I cannot do what those girls do, and I don't want to. I am I'm too successful in another career. <laughs> yes. And it is that thing of like when you see queens on straight up drag race, not like one of the things where they're teaching rubes to do it. Yeah. And you see somebody wearing flats or something like that, it's like no. No. Like, we're, <laughs> we're paying you. You have to do your job. You know yeah, that guy. And I, and I respect it too much that I will never, ever fall into that category. There is a part of me that will probably do it more often on stage, but not very, very often. Truly wonderful. <laughs> okay, guy, it is time to read a couple of the juicy submissions we get from our listeners. It's mailbag time. So I have two submissions here. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read the submission, and we're going to give it a, a ranking. Uh, the rankings are dry, as in just awfully boring and uh, not worth our time. Uh -huh. uh, moist, we're slightly satiated. It makes us, this is a little tantalizing. Yes. Uh, and then fully juiced. This, your chair soaked. You're fully engaged. This is Wonderful. a great fucking piece of gossip. All right. All right. Here's the first submission. When I was in high school, my mom would have sex toy parties with the ladies in our community. Similar to an Avon party, but with more dildos. A group of women from the party decided to plan a girls' night at a strip club. One of these women was my school's librarian. After the night at the strip club, my mom came home and woke me up because she had to spill the tea. My school librarian got pulled on stage during the show, and while on stage, she tried to remove the stripper's underwear with her teeth. Well, she accidentally bit the guy and drew blood. <laughs> Monday morning at school, I told all my friends I regret nothing. Uh, <laughs> a fun so side note, the sex toy parties included theme snacks. After one of the parties, my boyfriend and his friends were dropping me off at home and came inside to say hello to my family. We walked in to my then five-year-old sister asking for a chocolate penis. <laughs> my mom cuts the balls off the dick-shaped cupcake and hands it to my sister. Uh, the reaction from two of the teenage boys watched this happen was 10 out of 10. <laughs> wow. <laughs> what a wonderful life to live. Uh, truly, truly. Like, I'm in love with these presumably suburban moms who are, like, this in touch with their sexuality to not be self-conscious about it. 
Um, I love the mother's complete lack of boundaries with her daughter to just be like, <laughs> I have to tell you, putting my friend who you are supposed to see as like a supervisor and superior, um, <laughs> like in in jeopardy, and like that. What else do you expect a child to do with this information? Yes, um, for me, this is a, a ranking of fully juiced. I want to hear this person's entire life story, <laughs> and I feel like they should write a book about it. Uh, like a collection of essays is not that hard to do. It's a very popular uh, writing format right now. So, <laughs> um, also that poor that poor stripper. You know, <laughs> I mean, I want to know his story. Did he stay in the game? Did he take his uh, his injury, his purple heart on his purple heart. Well, if she drew blood, it would probably have to be from the pubic area. Um, yes. Because if you're pulling well, off underwear from the teeth, it's not right. It's not right on the dick. That's yeah. true. Um, but still, I mean, that would that would scar me emotionally and literally. Like, she tried, but that's also, that's a danger. That's why usually they don't let them do that. <laughs> right. Well, I do love, I do love, um, this summer I was in Montreal and I went to one of the strip clubs, but it was ladies' night. And I just oh. love when the power dynamic is, you know, mostly straight guy strippers and ladies, how much they truly let them do and how much the ladies, there's no concept in their head of I need to be deferential or respectful yeah. to the sex worker. It's just sort of like, of course he wants me to do this. I'm a woman. Mm-hmm. And it's ridiculous. Well, the vibe difference between a mostly male room a uh, trip yeah. club, which is just men quietly, sexually th- thinking nasty to thoughts at this one person. Yes. While the women, on average, collectively come together and cheer and are joyful. And it's a celebration of their sexuality. It's like, this is a much better vibe. <laughs> yes. It's fun in its way. And also, when um, they went back to the private rooms, mm-hmm. um, they were staying back there forever. And I asked my friend why are they staying back there forever? And he was just like, oh, they're fucking. <laughs> <laughs> well, good for them. Good, good for, for them. them. Good for them. Um, so here's the next submission. Uh, love the show. Okay, wow. Great start already. Perfect yes. piece of gossip. Um, writing in about a small piece of gossip I heard while getting a tattoo the other day. So a woman came in with a story to share. She was having a whirlwind romance with apparently the most amazing man, a prisoner that she had been talking to for two months. So she decided to find a female tattoo artist to tattoo her ass with his initial. She called him in jail during the tattoo to tell him that no other man would touch her. He said he was proud of her, uh, to which she replied with, aren't you turned on that a woman is touching me? Uh, (laughs) uh, Best part, she did not get the periods after each initial, so her ass just said raw, (laughs) R-A-W. So true love is not dead. (laughs) <laughs> I love this. She she is finding connections. She is, and I also love anyone who can ride the power game. Mm-hmm. Like when you're given like man in prison, make man in prison aid. You yes. Know? <laughs> what a wow. R A W. No period. Just. Do you like the idea of another woman touching me? <laughs> like what are you? <laughs> I mean, I worry this is fake. I worry that this woman just did it as performance art in the mm-hmm. tattoo-like place, but I still think that's juicy if the woman just did it as performance art. Oh, here's the thing. When it comes to rumors and gossip, f- facetiousness is going to exist, and that's why, yes. and that's, I'm I'm very pro-lying uh, and exaggerations. Well, uh, also, it kind of doesn't matter. I'm sorry, I'm naive about this, but it kind of doesn't matter because, like, when you say something enough, it becomes true, you know? Yeah. 
like Richard Gere had a gerbil in his ass, and there's no way around that. <laughs> Look, what Rod Stewart got his stomach pumped from all that semen. Let's. <laughs> was it Rod Stewart that was the one that got that rumor? I can't recall. It is I think now. That, that rumor was passed along to several people, and I think the last person was Little Kim. <laughs> oh, really? The notion of having semen poisoning, like what? What would your body <laughs> it's, do? It's true. Like you can't. There, a you can't consume that much semen. And also, if you've had your mouth on that many dicks to get that much semen, to get, like, getting guys to come in your mouth, you're gonna get, get just get gonorrhea along the way, you know? Also, your jaw would fall off first, <laughs> <laughs> okay? That is, hands down, you would not be able to move your mouth. You would get lockjaw <laughs> halfway through. I mean, look, if you started out with, like, 22-year-olds... <laughs> who are just ready to go. You could maybe get it down to like six or seven minutes a guy. But if you have anyone over 30, I mean, it's going to take me a very experienced hand. Um, <laughs> 30 minutes just to get one of them. I can do it. I've, I've, I've ranged from three minutes to 30. No, I've never. No, that's a lie. I've ranged from three minutes uh, to finishing the job to 15 minutes of me being done with the work. And, <laughs> and say, you belong to the night, sir. I cannot take care of you anymore. <laughs> uh, but that is, yeah, that was that was fully juiced. Thank you for being an amazing eavesdropper that, and also listening to this show. I appreciate you out there. And yeah, that was, please continue eavesdropping because that's my favorite thing to do. Yeah. No, it, it is really wonderful to like start to get a picture of who people are just from a little bit of eavesdropping. Mm -hmm. Like the other night I was at dinner and this guy was just so, so mentioning all of the things in pop culture he was supposed to be mentioning. Um, he's talked about Billy Eckner and bros. He said something about don't worry, darling. And I was just like, I just want to hear your conventional wisdom of pop culture right now. <laughs> That's a, I, I think I was so hungry for like once the pandemic ended and I was able to go to a restaurant for the first time. I remember going to an Indian restaurant and there was this family just bickering and I just, I leaned in. So I was yeah. so like they, like all they were doing was discussing how the one, their one son refused to get a CVS card. <laughs> <laughs> And, oh, that's wonderful. And he just refused. Like he was like he didn't want to sign up for it. He didn't want to be part of what. Like and it was just like it was truly like five minutes of the most boring discussion and me just being like, I'm so happy to hear other people's problems for once. No, it's, and it's just so beautiful when you walk into a situation and the dynamic is so clear that yeah. the, the story just starts telling itself. Yes. Do you write this one fully juice as well before we move on? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, okay. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> And that's the mailbag. Thank you so much for sending in your mail. Okay, guy, let's take a quick break and we'll be back with the juice line. Go spread the word. When you get a fresh, hot McCrispie from McDonald's and you can feel the heat coming through the bag, don't try to wait till you get home. Always respect hot chicken. The McCrispie, only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back to The Juice. I'm here with the always amusing Guy Branham. All right, Guy, now's the time on our show when we go to the phone, we call it The Juice Line. And uh, usually here at The Juice, um, we have uh, a listener submit something. This time, we have somebody I would technically consider one of my best friends, and it is a special treat. He's an amazing comedian and a delight and one of my favorite people in the world, uh, the one and only Casey Lai. Please hold. Hi, Casey. Hi. Explain to me this technical part of our best friendship. Um, you know what? There's a lot of technicalities. I think we're just, we just, we're just, there's no choice now. We can't back out. 
<laughs> that's very true. That's very true. We're we're bound by various, um, you know, curses, demons, and <laughs> secrets. <laughs> we did that whole yeah. Like we never did like a blood blood brother thing, but we definitely have like opened up our secret wounds to one another and pressed them together. <laughs> We've seen each other do too much and do too little at the same time. Yeah, uh, totally. And I'm so happy to have you on the show. Because we gossip together so much, I um, also gossip with Casey on a very regular basis. Yeah. I also know, I know Guy very well. I'm in. I'm. Yes. I'm the meat in a friendship sandwich right here, and I'm having yeah. a wonderful. You belong time. to both of us. Oh, my favorite position. <laughs> um, ham. Um, <laughs> First of all, where are you? Are you in your car? <laughs> I am in my brother's car in uh, the Greater Mill Valley area. Also, I'm really happy you led this way because I was like planning this as being a random person because I listened to the show and I'm always like, I was like, I've never heard you have like a good friend on. And so I, I was like uh, getting ready to gear up to pretend I don't know you guys and be like, hello, sir. My name is Casey. My last name is pronounced I would Lye. never. Um, I would, I've, I've, I've seen you act. I would not do that. To <laughs> do you still, like, do you still have to make it down to San Francisco for by eight? Yeah. Um, but I'm 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 in the Bay Area doing some shows. I'm a comedian yeah. and I'm I'm at my brother's house in Mill Valley, mm. which is across the bridge. Um yes. and I was going to do it inside, but um all four of the regular inhabitants of that house arrived at the same time and two of them are young <laughs> and very loud. Um, <laughs> and they want their uncle. And they want their uncle. So I didn't want to do this with uh, two uh, toddlers climbing all over me. For the show, Solomon. I'm here for the for show. The thank show. you so much. You're welcome. I thank you for, for the sacrifices you make for me. God, you see, he finally is getting it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's only because we're recording. I will definitely be mean to you after this. <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is it's, the floor is yours. Um, so... Uh, you know, I want to preface this story by saying, like, there's a little bit of, like, conspiracy theory in it. And I, you know, I'm just not, you know me, I'm not like a, like a QAnon or incel kind uh-huh. of guy, you know. And no offense to, like, your audience members who are. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to offend anyone not in this day and age. Um, but that's not me, you know. Um, but because mm-hmm. of that, but I am Italian. And, um yes. Uh, you know, like conspiracy theories and things. That's just gossip. You know, we we all yeah. have like a cousin Anthony who was talking to his girlfriend Isabella, whose brother knows a guy who may or may not have been involved in a murder of, <laughs> uh, you know, a very well known person who may or may not have been involved in like international crime. You know, we all just we're just Italian. It's just like what we know. <laughs> yeah, just Italian. Yeah, you know, people talk. And so, you know, I know um, a good Italian is supposed to like keep his mouth shut mm-hmm. about these things, but I'm also half wasp and they are very chatty. Yes. So I'm like the best of both worlds. Like I know a lot of shit <laughs> and I uh, love to talk about it. Mm-hmm. So I'm from Rhode Island. Yes. Um, the littlest state. And Italians, you know, it's so small. Uh, and there's so many Italians that we all kind of know each other. Like, you know this. Like, I, I'm basically related to Lady Gaga. Um, <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Go ahead. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm not not technically, but, like, she almost did marry, like, you know, a second cousin once removed of mine. So, for, like, two years, I was very nearly Lady Gaga's second cousin once removed the of mine. The amount of times I heard that you were related to Lady Gaga during those two years was... Insane. Well, you know, I mean, as a gay comedian, I don't have a lot of street cred, you know? We're not the most popular in the gay world. And so I was leading with my best foot forward for those two years that I was technically Lady Gaga's future uh, second cousin once removed from <laughs> 
Um, but you know, we all just know each other in Rhode Island is small, and mm-hmm. not all Italians in Rhode Island are, um, you know, in the mob. Um, yeah. But we all are like adjacent. We all know people <laughs> who are in the mob for sure. Like I, um, I was on a mob yacht several times before the time I was 13 years old. Like really? our parents had friends. You know, we went to school with like these kids, and then turns out we were on their 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 giant 180 foot yacht off. It was always had to be off the coast, like far off the coast of New England, because he was only allowed in the country for like specific months of the year. And in the rest oh. of the time, he had to be in international waters. So he had this giant yacht that he just traveled around, you know. <laughs> oh my God. Rhode Island childhood stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's very normal. Very normal. And so, and this, you know, another guy, like my mom and, uh, and our neighbor were like perpetually fighting and he was a really bad dude yes. for a variety of reasons. And one time my mom destroyed his fence um, with her car, she drove over it because it was impeding UPS trucks from getting in and like, you know, delivery trucks from getting into the driveway. And she tried to pay a UPS guy to knock it down and he wouldn't do it. <laughs> he was like, I'll do it, but you, I have, you have to sign this waiver. Um, and my mom was like, well, I'm not going to fucking sign the waiver. So then um, the guy, so, oh yeah, she knocked it down and then the guy sued her and then, yes. uh, you know, a friend of ours, you know, a friend of the family who I didn't know much of at the time, he offered to take care of the problem, so to speak. Oh. Ooh. Yeah. So, like, you know, that's like the milieu in which I'm being raised in, you know, a real hot mm-hmm. cauldron of just like saucy mob stuff. So, <laughs> um, so my mom's sister mm-hmm. married a guy like 10 years ago, her second husband. And they're since, mm-hmm. uh, they're about to be divorced. And so I don't feel bad, like, you know, kind of yeah. talking about this shady character who I don't have a lot of affection for. Um, <laughs> Fuck him. Good. Yeah, you know, I mean, the only thing, uh, uh, well, <laughs> you know, I'm not, well, I don't, I hope he's not listening, but. Um, <laughs> uh, should we not say your last name? <laughs> well, you know, yeah, it's because it's like, you know, like, and I'm not saying that this guy is in the mob, you know, but like, yeah. um, did his father own um, a strip club in the suburb of New York City named Goombas? He did. Um, and did he live in a, did he live in a mansion that is like, uh, has like a, a, a white grand piano and like Romanesque <laughs> marble statuary. And it's just like way too big for whatever like container company he works for. You know, it's like, there are a lot of questions. Is there money in the walls? Yes. I would assume there is. Um, uh, so a couple of years ago, my mom calls me up mm-hmm. and she, um, uh, is like, oh my God, you're never going to believe this story you know, such and such, who is my sister's husband at the time, um, you're not going to believe this. His brother is Jeffrey Epstein's cellmate in prison. Oh my God. What? He, so this guy, I have no relation to this person. Yeah. You know, this is my, mm-hmm. my, this is my mom's sister's uh, soon to be second <laughs> ex-husband's <laughs> Cousin. Just as close as you are to Lady Gaga, yeah. Um, <laughs> honestly, I'm claiming them both because um, adjacent. I want to be as adjacent to celebrity as possible. Um, and he was in jail for he mm-hmm. was a he was a bad cop, you know. Um, and he murdered four people in a drug deal. Oh, wow! Yeah, and I guess he buried their bodies like on his property, and there was like a whole to do. Um, and uh, he ended up in jail in the same prison. Guy, are you asking a question? I saw you like, 
Uh, I just wanted to say it's really bad luck that Jeffrey Epstein, who had a huge amount of information that could compromise many people in power, ended up being cellmates with um, a former police officer who is um, well-documented as being someone who is willing to do uh, illicit things for people in power for large amounts of money. Well, thank you. Someone must have been reading the internet. Um, (laughs) Because there is a lot of speculation, of course, that this man is the person, the hired Mm -hmm. hand who killed Jeffrey yeah. Epstein because there are a lot of irregularities. Jeffrey Epstein, international Mr. Man of Crime, yeah. you know, and he shouldn't have been in a cell with anyone. He was supposed to be in solitary confinement. There's very unclear information about that. Um, this guy, um, the cousin, my cousin, I'll call him my cousin, mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, my fucking cousin. Um, <laughs> apparently there's something about he had like a cell phone that he wasn't supposed to have. So there's a lot of like weird information. And again, it's a little conspiracy theory, but you know. Yeah. And also apparently Jeffrey allegedly had tried to kill himself beforehand and Nick saved him. So they were like friends or whatever. Yeah. But before Epstein is killed, mm-hmm. we find out that he's in jail with this guy. And... We're hearing all this stuff, and the guy is like, you know, we're kind of like buddies. And Jeffrey Epstein apparently was like, they're going to kill me. They're absolutely going to kill me. This is not going to happen. And like, to a certain extent, like he was, it was making it sound. We were hearing that like, this guy was like, well, maybe I can help you out of it in any sort of way. Mm-hmm. Um, fast forward, Jeffrey Epstein is dead. <laughs> yes. And uh, thank God, you know. Um, <laughs> hand of God, hand of, you know, HRC. Who knows? Who knows? Hand of the Queen. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? We don't, we That's don't know. That's for speculation. And I don't know anything about that. What I know is that said person started putting out the uh, information to the family and, you know, uh-huh. by various means that he's going to be set up for this. Like, of course, he's an easy target. He's a piece of crap. You know, he killed four upstanding drug dealers in the greater New York area, you know. (laughs) (laughs) You know, dead, buried him in his yard. What a, you know. um, And so on the one hand, you're like, sure, he killed people, but they were drug dealers. It wasn't like he took out of their whole families. Um, But (laughs) he, he starts talking about being set up for it. And then all of a sudden... You know, the internet is awash with the theories. Mm-hmm. They find out about this, this, yeah. this, you know, poor quadruple murderer who is being framed for, uh, allegedly framed for the murder of Jeffrey Epstein. And I just, you know, I mean, that's basically the rounded out version of the story. Yeah. But I'll tell you, I, I haven't, been, I haven't, t- I've been scared to tell this, this story. I didn't want to get, you know, um, I didn't want to be next. Well, you're not next. He's still in prison. Yeah, I know. But the tentacles run far. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's why you're part of, you know, a family. Exactly. You know, an Italian family is like a giant plate of just like fried calamari. You know, the real tentacly kind, you know? Oh, the gross one. <laughs> it's all lumped together. And no matter what, one piece is touching another at the end of the night. Um, <laughs> so um, uh, thank you for allowing me to share a story that centers me. <laughs> I just want to say, I just want to say a cab but also scabe. Uh, Some some cops are interesting bastards. (laughs) True that. You know? Look, there's stories that have to be told. And you know what? We we found two things out about you today. (laughs) Yeah. Which, what were those things? <laughs> you were related, you, you related to uh, Lady Gaga, possible, possible murder, and Lady Gaga. 
who can also be possibly murder. We don't know. It's uh, it's possible, you know. I mean, she's a <laughs> she's a monster. Jeez, <laughs> that was good gossip, though. That was very that was very good gossip. Thanks. How have you not told me this before? I don't know. It, yeah, you haven't uh, told me either. We've you've known both of us for a very long time. Well, you run a gossip podcast. I didn't want you spreading the news everywhere. And guys, an infamous you know chatter. <laughs> <Yes. so. laughs> yeah, we keep there's there's zero secrets kept. And this if this was a secret, we would have told everybody. Yeah. <laughs> It's real. I'll send you the name. Or just Google Jeffrey Epstein's cellmate, but don't tell you I told you. <laughs> uh, thank you so much, Casey. I love you so much. Love you guys. <laughs> Have fun. Oh, gosh. That was, I didn't know that. That was very good gossip. Casey's good for that. Yes. But guy, thank you. This That is the show, and that means the end of it all. Thank you so much for having me. I would love to see you back when you're in Los Angeles. Yes. I miss you, Solomon. I miss you, dear. Thank you so much for coming on the show, and it's always, always good to see you. Thanks so much to the very quick-witted and hilariously funny Guy Branham for joining me on today's episode. You can see him in Universal Pictures feature film Bros, now playing in theaters and streaming. As always, if you want to tell your story on The Juice, send them in by visiting teamcoco.com slash heyjuice. Also, please remember to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Give us all those stars. It'll mean the whole world to me if you did. And thank you for listening. And as always, have a juicy day. Go spread the word. When you get a fresh, hot McCrispy from McDonald's and you can feel the heat coming through the bag, don't try to wait till you get home. Always respect hot chicken. The McCrispy, only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.